the Shy Chat Podcast. Stories that connect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shy Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Raimholt, and I'm glad you've tuned in to learn about a remarkable woman. I, along with Tony Grady, a senior tax processor, recorded this episode a few weeks ago. So while we don't address the current events, her story is one example of how our people contribute to supporting those with fewer opportunities. Tony's story warms the heart and affirms that while there is despair and unrest in the world, there are also good people doing great things that live up to the values we hold so dear. While most people just drive through Lower Wacker without a passing thought to the men and women who call that area home, Tony took action and assembled a group over four years ago to provide food, clothing, toiletries, and blankets to the most vulnerable. She also shares her own story about being homeless, which is the impetus to serving those in need today. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, who are you quarantining with? Um, my son and my cat, Haley. My son, um, you know, he's, he's, been, he's been home with me and my cat, Haley, who comes out every now and then just to get a, a mm-hmm. pet on the head. You know, um, but just us two. Just us been quarantined together. So if we hear meow in the background, we know what that's about. <laughs> yes, that's Haley. She, <laughs> I have um, her snacks right up on my desk where I'm working at, so she knows exactly where it is. So she comes and she sits in the back of me, and that's her signal to say, hey, I'm ready for a snack. So I keep that, <laughs> a bottle of water, and her snack by me. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I have a... Uh a neighbor with that I share a wall to in this in this uh, room that I'm working at and the the child likes to scream morning noon and night so hopefully we won't be having Mom. any of those interruptions during this podcast <laughs> either um, all right Tony well um, thanks for joining the show and uh, I guess we'll just start with you talking about your story so um, would you like to tell the audience uh, where you grew up and just start about your early childhood well, I grew up in um, south side of Chicago, Brainerd Park area, um, which is like 93rd and, and Lomas. Grew mm-hmm. up there um, from newborn till about 13, um, my brother and I, and my mom, and my father um, left us at a, at a young age, so um, he, we didn't have him in our life um, when we were young. My brother's much mm-hmm. older than me, but um, he, you know, he had him more time than I did, but I grew up over there, went to Fort Dearborn Grammar School, which was walking distance, and, and it was always fun just to walk to school. You know, um, in the wintertime, we would, you know, bundle up and walk like six or seven blocks to school. That was like the best time and some of my best memories, um, walking to school with my friends that I grew up with. And our block, we were like family. You know, um, everybody, everybody's mother was our mother. Everybody's father was our father. And those are really good memories that I have. Um, my friend's parents, you know, we would all sit on each other's porch, front porches and just, and just have fun. And those were really good memories that I have, you know, growing up on the south side of Chicago. We're still pretty close. We all keep in contact with each other. Um, if not weekly, you know, monthly, we have a little group page that we always pop into, you know, to see how everyone's doing. Uh, we celebrate birthdays. Okay, so then what happened between then and coming to KPMG? How did you get to KPMG? 
Well, the, my story is, is, is kind of funny because we had a work program in school in my junior year, and KPMG mm-hmm. was one of the ones that we could apply to. And it was, it was, it was KPMG, McDonald's. Um, it was another firm, another law firm. Um, I can't remember all the different places that we had. And I wanted to I picked KPMG. Mm-hmm. But Nancy, I remember her name, and I can remember her face. She uh, she got picked, and I was so mad because every time we would get ready to leave, you know, and our program was over, everybody would go to their job. She was like, I'm going to KPMG. You know, back then it wasn't KPMG, the cool name there, right? So for years and years, I would always, you know, say I really wanted to work for that firm. So I started working for another firm, um, Century Business Services, which is CBIZ. And I started working for them for about 10 years. And I would always put my resume out to KPMG, and then, you know, you get the alert back saying that your qualifications don't need, but I kept pressing. And so that one year, I got an email back, and it seemed like I had won a lottery. I was so excited, and I was emailing my friends, I said, you ain't going to believe this. I got an email from KPMG. I got a phone interview, and I had the phone interview. Then I had the in-person interview, and it just kept going after that. And ever since then, I've been at KPMG since 2010, and it's been a really good, a really good 10 years. You know, everybody that I've come in contact with, um, from the partners, all the upper management, it's it's just really good. You know, the relationship that I've built um, over the past 10 years. Uh, that's an awesome story. That's great. Um, in the last 10 years, do you have a do you have a favorite memory? Anything that sticks out? Over the past, yes, <laughs> we would all, you know, they always call me, you know, I'm the one um, that, you know, I always reason, you know, try to figure things out. I talk a lot, you know, and my group, you know, they're pretty quiet, and they always look to me to kind of, like, bring things out. And my team lead, Reza Kave, when I first started with the group, she would never talk. And they mm-hmm. said, you know what, you're the only person that's ever gotten Reza to really start talking. And we've been talking ever since. So she, you know, she's, she's more outgoing. And, and so I kind of remember when they told me that. They said, you know, she never really talked until you came to the group. Now you got her just, she won't stop talking. So, <laughs> so I kind of well, like quite an ability. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. So let's, uh, let's, let's transition here a little bit. Uh, so I recently saw a KPMG Today story about uh, Tony Grady offering hope with a side of chili, and it talked about your involvement with uh, the Keep Homeless Warm organization. Can you tell us about uh, your background with that organization and why you first started that? Well, I um, started that group. I was uh, on my way to work and on a Saturday because, you know, we work Saturdays during busy season, and I mm-hmm. took Laura Wacken. And I happened to see these uh, people, you know, out sleeping on the ground. And it kind of, like, hit me. So I texted a couple of friends. I was like, wow. I said, you know, I just saw something that's really, it hurt my heart. I said, seeing these people out there, I said, I really want to go out there. I said, I think I'm going to pick some sandwiches and just drop them off. So my friend's like, well, I want to go, too. So we planned a day um, four years ago in November to go out there and, they were so appreciative when we went out there. I fixed maybe like 100 sandwiches. My other friends bought snacks, you know, coffee, um, you know, things like that. One day after that, we, we all went to breakfast. 
and everybody felt so good and just to be able to help someone they said let's do it again we did it a mm -hmm. second time we grew maybe about five people because it was about seven of us and all of us all went to high school together and we grew and that second time it grew into it's four years going now and this is such a good experience it's a, a good feeling because knowing that I was once once in that situation where I didn't have anything and being able to give back and help those in need it's, it's just been a really good thing and we've grown to from seven people to about 30 people um, we, we give them hot meals we have a whole spread out for them and um, we cook you know we cook our own food we, we make homemade food uh, food that you and I would eat you know, sometimes they're so used to getting just mm -hmm. the ends of things. They're they're so happy when they get something fresh and, and homemade and not nothing just thrown to them. So it's really good uh, and it touches my heart to be able to, uh, to reach out and, and help those. You know, we even, you know, we give them clothing. You know, sometimes we have brand new clothing for them. You know, things like that. So it's, it's, it's really been, it's really been, very good and, and blessed to be able to help someone with so many resources and the people that we have to help. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's that's absolutely incredible. Uh, well, Tony, if you don't mind, let's take a step back and I want to go to the one comment you made of being in that situation situation yourself. So wh when were you in that situation? Um, I was um, a sophomore in high school. So a lot of times I didn't know, you know, I just would go to school, come back, you know, my mother would work so hard, you know, I knew my mother was working, but I didn't notice that we were struggling the way we were struggling. I came home one day, just in high school, had a good day, came home, and all my things were out on the ground on the streets, everything, furniture, my clothes, all my personal items, everything was just out on the streets, and I just stood there. And I can look back at it like it was yesterday because I still remember it just like it was yesterday. And I just stood there. And my neighbors, which we're a very close-knit group, um, they came and helped me. My mother was still at work. She didn't even know. We didn't have a telephone at the time, nor did we have gas, you know. I would just press through all of those things, you know. Um, no, no one ever knew what was going on in the inside of our house because we never, it was so embarrassing to talk about it. You know, you're new in high school, you're trying to get to know people, let them know who you are, you know, you're trying to find yourself. And we covered up all of those things. And I remember Sheila Love, the Love family, they came over and gathered all my items, put them in garbage bags, and took them to their house. We had nowhere to go. My brother was in school at the time. He had a, a, a track scholarship. He was in school. Um, he eventually came back home. My mother came home. They had a truck to get all our things and put it in storage. We didn't have any place to go. The Love family offered me to stay over there. My mother didn't even have a place to go. We were all scrambling, didn't know where, where we were going to go. My grandmother lived in a senior home over on, um, in Southside Chicago on King Drive, which mm -hmm. you are not allowed to have anybody to live with you. You know, it's just your place. So she kind of broke the rules, and my mother stayed there and slept on the couch. So my mother and I were separated for a year. You know, some, some days I would see my mom. She would come over and drop something off to eat or to offer money, you know, to the Love family. 
Um, they never, you know, I know that they, they refused her to give her money because they know what she was trying to do. So they didn't even take her money. Um, a year later, my mother found us an apartment. We were back together. And that whole year, I was just so confused. I was confused. I was embarrassed, you know, because everybody mm -hmm. on our block seemed like they had it all. And deep down inside, I was hurting because I didn't have anything. But I did have my mother. And that was most important. My dad left us mm -hmm. when I was young. He left us to struggle with all these things. He didn't reach out to help when we were set out. He didn't reach out once to, you know, to give a hand. But I forgave him. I love my father. Um, he's, he's with me today. I love my dad. But those are those, those memories that, um, that brought me to where I am today, you know, being mm -hmm. stronger. You know, yep. my mom taught me, you know, to never let a situation take over. You take over the situation and, you know, and be strong and remain confident. And that's how I yeah. am today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you were describing that tight-knit uh, like network and relationships that you had in your neighborhood. And I'm kind of picturing now all your stuff being on the curb. Did you, was there a new family that moved into that home and you were living across the street at the Loves? Like, how, how did that year mm -hmm. when you guys were in between, well, in between places they go? Boarded the, yeah, they boarded the house up. Um, it was boarded up for, it, it was probably boarded up for a long time. That, I, that part I, I do remember because, you know, I remember seeing it and we had a dog and I had to leave my dog in the backyard. So I would always, <clears throat> excuse me, I would always go over her name was Wolf, so I would always mm -hmm. go over and play with Wolf. Excuse me, and um, until someone came and got her, so it was, you know, it was um, kind of boarded up a while. So those memories, you know, I would still see, even when we had the block parties years later. You know, I would always go and stand in front of the house and try to remember, you know, how it was mm -hmm. when I was young. Yeah, absolutely, and I imagine that was a a, a year that. I I can't even imagine honestly how tough that would have been. I think it was fifteen at the time. Yeah, fifteen. Okay. So then there was you mentioned that after a year of saving up, your mom was able to get you guys another apartment. She tried to keep me in the neighborhood, you know, so I could be around my friends, but she had to find something affordable. You know, she searched around, you know, some neighborhoods that she refused to uh, to put us in. Um, it was mm -hmm. really bad. So we ended up moving in the Woodline area, that yeah, was okay, you know, but I had to take a bus and a train to school. She never did take me out of school. She I, she wanted me to remain in my high school that I was in. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I would take the bus and, you know, I still stay, was able to stay with my high school friends. And then after okay. that year, a couple of years, we stayed in the apartment and, you know, until things was getting better, um, you know, she transitioned us to another place. So we moved around a lot. Um, different places because some places, you know, the rent will go up and, you know, she just struggled and she worked very, you know, my mom worked very, very hard and she came to a point where everything got better for her and that's what, you know, what taught me, you know, to persevere and it seeing her strength to put us through and get us to a point where we were, where we were good and she took very good care of us and that's what I remember, that's what gives me my strength that I have today to push through. That's, that's absolutely inspiring.
So what, what do you think is one of the big lessons that you take with you today that you learned in those high school, those tough transformative years where you had to deal with more than anybody could, could be asked to deal with? What, what do you uh, have you learned from now that you've been putting your, your day-to-day life? Well, you know, I, I learned that in, you can't let problems take over your life. And in order to grow, you have to take over the problem. Um, that builds strength mentally and physically to help you get through, to get through those tough times and seeing my mom, how strong she was, and seeing how strong she, she dealt with it, holding all that in and still smiling and going through her day. That's what helped me. I remember that. You know, you can have a ton of things going on on the inside, but you, you persevere, you, you press your way through those problems and whatever issue it is that you have, and that's what makes you stronger, and, and, and that's what gets me through. Yeah, no, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's definitely inspiring for, for all of us here to hear. So going back to keeping the homeless warm, so what keeps you going back and keeping providing these meals and clothing and services? You know, sometimes when we're, we're out there on our Sundays, we get out there, um, we always go to last Sunday every other month, and I interact with the people. Sometimes I'm able to ask questions, you know, and, you know, see how they got there, how, how you know, what happened. Some of them open up, and it touches my mm-hmm. heart you know, to see, because I saw one young young man, he had to be between 18 and 21, and I talked to him for a few minutes, and he said that he lost everything, he doesn't know where his parents were, um, he didn't have anyone. You can see he was so happy, and he couldn't believe that we were giving, us, giving him them things. He had a new pair of shoes that we gave him. He was walking on the back of some shoes that probably it had a hole at the bottom. He said, you're only giving me these shoes? And being able to do that and interact with them, I can sit there and talk to some of them. Some of them have a happy spirit. Some of them are kind of mean. You know, you kind of kind of step back a little bit, but you're still able to provide. You just give it to them and let them keep going. Some, they don't want to talk, you know, but having, you know, being able to provide and give them, it just warms my heart and uh, to be able to help them because, they don't know where their next meal is coming from, but we're able to provide a good meal. They can eat it right there. We're able to give them mm-hmm. items that they can snack on throughout the day. You know, they're happy for Dunkin' Donuts coffee. They, that's like the best <laughs> thing ever when we give them Dunkin' Donuts coffee. They say, can I have a second cup? We can give them a second cup because, you know, our group is so large, you know, uh, we can get three or four boxes. Those That coffee is kind of expensive by the box, you know. Oh, yeah. So we're able to provide that, yeah, you know, and it's, it's it's really a good experience. It's, I can't tell you, you know, how it is deep down inside that it, it touches me that I'm able to help them. And I love to cook. So I get in here the night before and I cook a whole bunch of stuff. I make some chicken, you know. I make a big pot of chili. Um, you know, my friends, they make salads. We have all kinds of sides. And my brother, he brings his grill out. Rain, snow, mm. snow. He's out there with the grill, and once they see that smoke from the grill, they line up. Italian sausages, we give them burgers, we put chicken on the grill. You know, we, we give them really good food, and my brother has another friend that comes out with him, and so we have two grills fired up, plus other items, too. So we, we have a, it's probably about a good six, you know, those long tables 
-hmm. have about six of those tables, and it's full from front to end. Oh, my gosh. And how many years have you been doing this, Tony? Um, four, it'll be four years this year. Yes, it'll be four years. I'm just thinking about the pounds of sausages and chicken and chili you must have cooked in over those four years. <laughs> can you imagine all that food? Because I'm not the only one that makes chili. I make, I can make two huge pots of chili, and then another one of my friends, she'll make a pot of chili. So we have about a good five pots of chili out there. You know, we'll gather two weeks before and throw the menus out. We pretty much keep the same menu, but in the summertime, we kind of, like, push away from the chili. We just have that as a, you know, for the winter, mm -hmm. fall and winter, you know, food just to keep them warm. You know, we do, uh, we have summer items that we'll, we'll have out, but we always have the grill, you know. It was so cold one time we had one of the guys, he had, um, he went to Home Depot, and it's some camping, it's some camping mechanism that he, that it is, and it heats, it heats up. He had it on our feet. He put it on our hand. They built the fire. Somebody brought a fire pit. That just for us to keep warm, and we would take turns. Somebody would go in the car, warm up, and then, you know, we'd take turns. Somebody come out and serve. You know, we was all bundled up, and we were out there. They, you know, I said, it's going to be cold that Sunday. They said, nope, we got to go. We have a need. Those people need us. We can't, we cannot go, not show up, because they're expecting us. They, they look for us, you know. So when we yeah. come, they said, oh, you are busy again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So... And how do you, like, who pays for this? Do you have, have donations, or how do you guys support doing this on a, such a regular basis? Well, we come out of our own pockets, the group that we have. Sometimes we'll reach out to our friends. We'll let them know, like, hey, um, we're doing this. We'll do a big Facebook blast, you know, to keeping the mm -hmm. homeless warm. We will be out uh, November 12th. If you all have anything you all donate, please let us know. You know, we'll say if you have any scarves, you know, gently used items. Um, we can pick them up. You know, we do a big drive every year. Um, two weeks before Thanksgiving, we do a hat, scarf, and glove drive. And yeah. right now, I still have three boxes of hat, scarf, and gloves in my garage that we didn't have. You know, we kept giving them out every time, you know, we would go. You know, we were able to give them three and four pairs of socks. So my garage is stocked. So this coming winter, this will start. Yeah. I've reached out to, you know, some uh, colleagues at KPMG, some of the partners, uh, Deborah Panzarella, her husband. She comes out a lot. Amy Mahan come out, you know. Uh, my yeah. team, Rita Cave, she comes. She and her husband came out. And um, just they were really had a good feeling when they did come out. It made them feel good to be able to give back, and they kept coming back. Like Deborah, Deborah Panzarella say, I left something on your desk, and I come in, you know, it's all kind of quality items, you know. Which if mm -hmm. she can't make it, you know, she'd say, well, I still have some items. You know, her mom gave a lot of stuff, and, you know, she can't make it. Marin Abarker, she, I still have a ton. I think she gave me, it's probably about 100 pairs of socks that she just gave me recently. But then when all this stuff happened, you know, I had to kind of storm. So they're in my garage. So KPMG, okay. they they reach out to me and help me. I love it. And, and so what if someone who's listening to this podcast also wants to get involved? What's, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can, always, um, they can always shoot me an email. Hopefully we'll be back. I'm really hoping soon that we can all go back out as a group. So, Tony, you, you kind of started Help Keep the Homeless Warm, and you're really growing it. Uh, what's next for Keep the Homeless Warm? We were going to meet, and actually I was going to cook a big dinner for uh, 
some of them, you know, for the group. And we were going to meet because we want to do something else. We want to grow it. We want to um, be able to be of service outside of that, you know, as far as helping in the community. So we were going to meet, you know, sometimes my brother, you know, he said sometimes they may need help helping to prepare for a job interview, you know, things like that. So we were going to gather to see uh, how can we add to it you know, to be able to go into the community and help more. But now, you know, that's on hold. You know, we can't gather like that. But that's that's actually next for us. And um, I had brought it up, and they were all for it. I said, let me just throw it out there to see how they feel about it. They said, let's do it. Let's, let's do more. We want we want to do more. Awesome. Well, well, thanks for all that you do and your whole your whole group does to the community. It's, it's quite a service that's needed, and it seems like you're really making a, quite an impact. Thank you. So uh, before I let you go here, Tony, um, I'm gonna, we're going to do our signature lightning rounds. So we're going to ask five quick questions, first things that come to mind, and uh, you know, just, just kind of end on a bit of a light note. Is that all right with you? That's fine with me. All right, here goes. Number one, what's your favorite TV show or movie during the quarantine? Ooh, my favorite TV show during the quarantine has been... I kind of, I've been watching Ozark. Ozark's on my list. My my wife hasn't watched season one or two, so I'm not sure if I'm ready to rewatch them or just maybe show the recap and move on to three. <laughs> oh, wait till you get to three. It's exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here you go. Question number two. What is the most underrated food? Hmm. I I love food. Underrated food. I would go with polar sausage. <laughs> Nice. That's a I love sausages. So yeah, <laughs> I love sausages. Onions with mu- with mustard. That's like a favorite of mine. So mm, making me hungry right now. All right, number three. Does your current car have a name? If so, what is it? My current car has a name. My son calls it. <laughs> he calls it the storage. So you know because I keep everything in there. Because currently right now I have uh, forks, I have boxes of stuff because I keep stuff in my in my trunk, you know, for uh, for the homeless. So I, I never take it out. So, okay, where's the storage? So we call it the storage. So my car is currently called the storage. <laughs> I got this uh, old Jeep. It's a 01 blue Jeep that's kind of breaking down. And I call it old blue. So uh, everybody likes to make fun of me for having a car name. Maybe it's an old, an old-fashioned thing, but old blue and me—we've been through everything together. That's good. <laughs> the old working. That's right. So th- this might be realistic, depending how how things go. But you're, right now, let's assume your life is being made into a feature film. Who would you choose to play you as a starring role? Oh wow. Um... I would go with Diana Ross. I would have her. Have a, I would have her start with me. Do you have a singing uh, singing voice that we're unaware of here? <laughs> well, you know, I used to sing in a church choir, and and I did have a couple of solos. You know, that my mother just loved. She would be the only one standing up clapping. <laughs> I knew I would mess up. <laughs> um, all right, and number five, last one here, Tony. Which direction has the best view from the KPMG office? I would say our side on 56, which faces 
um, we can see Navy Pier, and we can see um, John Hancock, you know, and, and especially when we're working late nights and then all the lights are on in the other, you know, in the other buildings we can see. So I think we have a good view. All right, Tony. Well, we'd like to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate you sharing your story and for your candid responses. And I hope you can stay safe and healthy throughout this whole quarantine. Thank you very much. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Shy Chat Podcast with your host, Peter Raimholt. For more information about Tony's story, please contact Tony Grady at tgrady at kpmg.com. If you like what you heard, spread the word. And if you or someone you know has a great story that you think we should hear about, please contact Aaron Bailey at ebailey at kpmg.com or myself at prainholt at kpmg.com.